0: Thank you um, for this time of of community and friendship and just getting to be together to celebrate you and everything that you're doing, Father. In Jesus' name, we ask you for open hearts. We call the hearts here good soil to receive your word today in Jesus' name. I pray you use me to, to communicate your word according to your will, Father God. We bind every opposing work of the enemy that would hinder us from receiving what you have for us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So what a great time to talk about Psalm 91. And uh, Psalm 91 is a, it's, it's something that's it's in our heritage. You know, for like me and Erica and Kayla. Well, we came from a ministry that was largely based on mobilizing a, a book, Psalm 91. Uh, if you don't have that, I want to give it to you. It's free. Um, our, our leaders and, and Josh and he was here, they distributed about 300,000 of them into Wadis during the height of the violence about 10 years ago. Um, they went around uh, and went to police stations. They got, had a police escort, covered the police stations in Juarez, um, got them dispensed into uh, pastoral uh, alliances where pastoral hubs would come together and drop the books and pop them out into the community. Uh, we've, I've been traveling deep into Mexico, five hours into the Sierra and have found that book. Like what, what has come from the seeds that planted are just, it's gone everywhere. I've been in rehab centers off way off the beaten path looked into the library and found the book, made it to the library. Like you don't know the power of a seed and how far that it will go, but it's like a leaven and it leavens the whole lump. And so that is something that's in our heritage. That was the he was the the breaker or really an apostle that that pioneered for us and opened opened the way for Caleb for and I to come through the Holy Spirit. And so this is a, a really precious message to us because we really need it. Because <laughs> we actually need this message, you know. There's a lot of promises in the Bible that, like, oh, well, that's a great. And we think of it like benefits, which is great. There are benefits. But it's one thing to have benefits. It's another thing to use your benefits. I've, I've been having dental work done lately. And so I had some dental benefits. And it's nice when it's just like you have it available. But when you actually put need to put a demand on it, it means a little more to you. Yeah. It becomes a little more real. You start thinking, wow, I'm really glad I had this dental plan. I really had a HSA that I could pay my copays or whatever. Like, my benefits became real because I was having to use them. Likewise, Psalm 91 becomes real when you have to use it. You know, there's a lot of fear and anxiety that's really going out in the world. There's a the fear of uh, the instability, uh, the in- uncertainty of the times, the fear of, of coming pandemics, epidemics terror of the world is there something that we can do to escape the terrors of the world is there something we can do to escape the oncoming anxiety we we know that our our borders are open we we know that we're involved in conflicts on the other side of the world you know the, the stories and rumors of wars have been our whole lifetime we've always heard these stories we've always had rumors if it wasn't this country it was that country if it wasn't this part of the world it was that part of the world It wasn't a border issue. It was an international issue. Like there was always something to be worried about. There is something to be afraid of if you want to be afraid. Right? But God has provided for us a place to hide. You know, could we be sheltered for this? Could we guard ourselves? Yeah, you know what? There are a lot of practical things you can do for personal security. And that's cool. You can do a lot of practical things. But, you know, you can't guard against an atomic bomb. You can't guard, uh, like in the natural, like... Not everyone can own a bunker, right? Some people do. <laughs> I know people that, that have bunkers, and they're, like, ready for World War III. But not everyone can do that, right? So not everyone can have a shelter. Or can they? Or can they, right? Nice. Kayla has a story. I'm going to tell you your Kosovo story. Um, she was traveling on a mission trip around right outside of the world. And in Kosovo, is Western Europe or Eastern Europe? Eastern Europe, Eastern Europe. It's not quite the Middle East. It's like on the fringe. Um, but Kayla's traveling Europe in Kosovo, and she's there. How old were you then? Twenty-three. Twenty-three with some other girls her age, and they were traveling, going place to place. And actually, why don't you, you explain this? You do it way better now. I'll brush it. Okay. So we were in Kosovo, and um, it was me
1: and two other girls all teachers and so the rest of the team was staying for like two weeks longer but because we were all teachers we had to come back a little bit earlier because we had to sh- start school and so it was in august and uh we think it was time for us to leave but since it was a smaller group we didn't have all of the transportation prepared like they had for the larger group so the leaders of the team i was one of the leaders but the other leader said okay well, you're going to get on a bus, and you're going to go from this city to another city, and then a pastor's going to pick you up. And um, we said, I said, who's going to pick us up? And they said, we don't know, um, but a pastor will be there. We said, okay. And so um, we get on this bus. I don't know what bus to take. There's no signs on any of the buses to let go. So I'm, like, trying to run and ask. Finally, I figure out, okay, this bus is going to the city. That we're going on. I'm a typical American. I've like never ridden the bus like anywhere. You know, like we don't take buses to other cities very often here. Well, anyways, and so I finally figure out how to do the bus system. I get on the bus, and we're traveling. We don't know anyone. It's a different country. And then we um, we find out there's a lot of bus stops in the city that we're going. There's not just one bus stop, and there's not just one bus station. And so I was, like, asking the driver, well, like, take us to the bus station. He was, like, oh, no, I go to, like, several. I was, like, well, where's the main one, you know? And he was, like, there's not, like, they're all equal. And so I was, like, okay, shoot. And so here we are. We're praying, and I'm just praying, like, okay, we're stopping. Do we get off here, Lord? And the Lord's, like, no, don't get off. Okay, so we go to the next place. Okay, Lord, do I get off here? No, don't get off. So finally we get at this place, and it's not even a major bus stop, but I think this is the place we're supposed to get off So I just tell everybody, let's go, and so we get off the bus, and uh, we have all of our luggage with us, so it's not like we're supposed to be downtown, you know, and Kosovo is like the Albanian Kosovo, that's where like Taken, all of those people, that's those people from the movie Taken, and so all of these people come up to us, and we're like, here, we're here to pick you up, we're going to take you to the hotel, well, I don't know who's picking me up. And I said, "Um, I don't think you're here. Yes, we are here. We're from the church, and we're going to pick you up. And so it was one after another after another kept coming to us like, do you need someone to pick you up? And we're like, "Uh, we're trying not to answer them. Anyway, so all these people, I don't know where they're trying to take us, but they're trying to take us all. And so I said, okay, we're going to go to a coffee shop because we were all highly addicted to coffee on this mission trip. And so I said, we're going to go to a coffee shop, and we're going to sit, and we're going to pray, and the Lord's going to show us what to do. And so me and the other girls and this younger, he was still in high school. A guy comes with us and we sit at the coffee shop and there's no cell phone service. We don't have Wi-Fi. I have no way to communicate with the the mystery pastor that's supposed to pick me up. And so we bow our heads and we just pray. And I said, Lord, I thank you that you cover us with protection. Lord, I thank you that you know what we need to do. We just begin to thank the Lord. And as soon as we lifted up our heads from praying at this coffee shop, I saw a pastor that I knew, and he had come up, and he just, like, was just pulling up. So I, like, took off running, like, out of the coffee shop, Hey! you know, and um, he was there to pick us up, but the Lord just really, like, put his hand of protection and kept us through the whole thing.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, you know what that is? So that is the covenant of the Lord. Like, that is not just a bunch of girls not getting taken in Europe. That is... That is the God. That is the God we serve, like getting us out of a mess. That is the covenant of the Lord, protecting us in that place. So, covenant is the key word for the day. Covenant is not something we generally don't even hear people talk about anymore. But a covenant is a legal contract. You know, when we when we buy a house, we make a covenant. When we are making a a legal transaction, we make a legal covenant. Their covenants are are all through this Bible. We have our Adamic covenant, Mosaic covenant, Abrahamic covenant, our Davidic covenant. We have the Old Testament is referred to often as the Old Covenant. New Testament often referred to as the New Covenant. It is a legal binding agreement. And when, in the old days, when people would make covenants, they would do it in blood, either sacrificing an animal or even you know, if you grew up well, in, in my era, when we grew up, we had uh, blood buddies and we were like, you like cut your hand or something, which you should pray that off if you did that. But uh, you know, like th- we did, there was stuff like that because it represented a bond, represented an agreement. That's really not a good uh, hygienic thing to do, by the way. But the uh, but covenants are a thing of, of the Bible, and it's actually still available for us today. All of the greats, every if you go through Hebrews eleven, you go through the Hall of Faith and the stories of everyone. You'll find that the people who are mighty in God, related to God based on covenant. People who relate to God based on their covenant are head and shoulders above those around them. Not any better, not any more valuable. I'm telling you, they live a different kind of life when you relate to God based on your covenant. So there's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6. Jonathan goes out unauthorized to King Saul. And he says to his armor bearer, It says, verse 6, Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come, let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us. For the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. What he's saying, he's saying, I have seen my God deliver Israel again and again and again. And I know it's not the power of man to deliver themselves. How I many you know if Israel marches around the city? Man can't make the walls of Jericho fall. It is the hand of God. So Jonathan's saying, I have seen my God work. So, so let's cross over to the other side. Let's cross over to the garrison. And let's see, let's cross over to these uncircumcised. And let's see what the Lord would do for us. You know what he's saying? When he says, let's cross over to the uncircumcised. Circumcision in the Bible was the mark of covenant. And what he was saying was, let's go to these people." We have a covenant with God Almighty. These people do not have a covenant with God Almighty. So let's go and let's see the Lord save us. Because Let's see what the Lord will do. Because he doesn't need a whole army. Let's see what God will do. You know, in that battle, they slew 20 people. Two guys, one older guy and then a young, a young lad that was with him. When David was fighting Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, verse 34, David was talking to Saul. He heard the taunting of Goliath, and David says, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from, his, from the flock. Verse 35, I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. So we have a lion eating a lamb. David reaches into its mouth and pulls it out. That's pretty hardcore, right? Like That's a tough dude. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. That's a powerful Powerful interaction. Verse 36. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. What he's saying is that Goliath who is mocking us. That Goliath that is opposing us. He says he is an uncircumcised Philistine. He's saying that is a man without a covenant. And we are a covenant people. And so all of Israel were covenant people. But you know, all of Israel did not relate to God according to covenant. Not all of Israel responded to God like he was their God. They were afraid of the taunting. You know what? That's what happens with fear. Fear is taunting. Fear, it gets it's running your mind. It gets it's running your, your world. You wake up in the morning and it's what's going on. You know, you go after your day and it's still going on. You go to sleep at any night and it's still, still playing. That's what was happening to Israel is... There was the taunting, the sound of the enemy. But when David heard the sound of the taunting, he's like, Who's this guy? What's he think he's doing? He's an uncircumcised Philistine. Verse 36 Your serpent has killed both the lion and the bear, and, the, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and may the Lord be with you. You know, there's a lot of um, stories around the friendship between Jonathan and David, and they had a covenant together, and they they loved one another. I wonder if it's they looked at each other and saw what the other person had at God, that they found someone else that related to God according to covenant, and it drew them into a friendship that was thicker than blood. That you know, have you ever found someone that you've never maybe you've never known in life, but you met them and it's like you knew them your whole life? And it's because they know who you know. You ever met someone that's like they knew they knew your best friends growing up, and somehow you're just your paths never crossed, and then one day you meet, and because we both know the same people, there's a friendship that, that sparked there. I believe that's what, what was happening with David and Jonathan, that, and I think there's a key there to spiritual unity. But the covenant that I want to refer to here is in Psalm 91. David, the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. So David, who was delivered from the Paul, from the, Paul the lion, the mouth of the, uh, the Paul the bear and the mouth of the lion, the man who was delivered from, from Goliath, he wrote this psalm. And God says he's a man after God's own heart. So we're going to dig through that. So if you want to pull up your Bibles, either you got it on your phone, you got it on paper, you got it on Google, you got it wherever you got your Bible, I want you to look at your Bible, okay? In Psalm 91, verse 1, it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Hey, Freddie. Hello. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of Almighty of the Almighty. The first thing I want to say about this is the shelter of the Most High. This is a literal place of protection. Psalm 4.8 says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. Thank you. thank, thank you, brother. For you alone, O oh Lord, make me to dwell in safety. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket. God, you are the only one who can make me dwell in safety. I can do a lot of practical things, and we do a lot of practical things, where we're into the practical stuff. We kind of like, we probably like the practical stuff a little bit too much, you know? But it is God who is ultimately our deliverer. It is God who keeps us safe and brings us home every day. I remember at Simon Juarez where I was, uh, we were doing an outreach in one of the parks and Juarez. And it was early on, we were pretty new into the area, and we didn't, we didn't know any better to not really be hanging out at the parks just for fun, um, but we were in the parks witnessing to people, handing out books, saying we love Jesus, and I brought my guitar, and I was making up songs for people just to, like, entertain and, like, build it for. not knowing who I was talking to, and of course, there's a guy on every corner of the, of the lot, and we're like, hey, look, there's someone over there, too, and you know, we don't, we're just being dumb, not knowing what we're doing, and we go, and I remember we ran out of books, and I start to walk back to my car. And while I was walking back to my car, it's like I knew that I knew in my spirit two people were following right behind me. And I, I like I saw it as, as clear as could be in my spirit. I was being followed back to my car. And I turned around and there was there was no one there. But like I, I knew that our, God was showing me something. It was so clear. You no, know that is that is a shelter of the most high. That is your covenant with God. Because you know what? Not everyone experiences that. Not everyone sees the two people walking back to them in their spirit. Some people just walk back and they're they're followed. I turn around. I say, Caleb, we're out of here. We're going now. We we booked it out of there that day. Because we we had overstayed our our welcome anyway. And it was was time for us to go. But that was God delivering us from really fishy circumstances. Tell you what, until you've had to zigzag home because of who's following you, until you've had to take oil, maybe like, I don't believe in laying oil. Let me tell you something, when someone follows you home, you'll believe in oil. You will change your mind about the oil. (laughs) And, And we anoint our license plates, say, Father, I thank you, Jesus, that our cars are covered and we will not be followed. We will go out and do your will, and we will return. And we speak those words out and we call it and say, we will go and we will come back. You know what that is? that is? That is utilizing your covenant. That is relating to God based on covenant. And if you do not relate to him based on covenant, you'll be like the rest of the army of Israel. And you'll be afraid at the sound of the taunting of the giants that are in front of you. Those giants can look like a sickness. can look like COVID. It can look like some other epidemic. You know, every 20 years, there's some different epidemic that flies out there. Like, it can be the sound of war, the, the rumors of terror, of, of, uh, of whatever. I've known people who are, who are um, stuck in their house, can't leave the house. I, I'm just afraid of what could possibly happen. Just shut-ins like that. Trying to shelter themselves. But the truth is there's only one who can truly shelter you? Psalm 48. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O oh Lord, make me to dwell in safety. We have to take the Bible literally. We have to take the Bible as final authority. You know, a lot of times we read the Bible and then offer our opinions of the Bible, and we judge the Bible. But the truth is, the Bible judges us. When we read the Bible, we're not we're not looking to cast our thoughts on it. It's actually supposed to change the way we think. And let me ask you this. Like, are you satisfied with the way you've been thinking your whole life to this point? Do you, do you believe you've tasted of the promises of God? Do you have stories of God's miraculous deliverance in your life? If you have, that's awesome. Continue to contend. But if you don't have these stories yet in your life, if they're only tragedy. It's only loss. I'm going to tell you, one, I'm sorry for the tragedy. I'm sorry for the loss. But I want to tell you, there is a better way. You know, the Apostle Paul, when he was going to, uh, it was one of the churches in Book of Acts, and the Bible says that Paul came, but it says he showed them a better way. There's there's another road you could be taking. And so I want to propose that to you this morning in Psalm 91. There's another avenue you could be using and that others have used it. We are continuing to use it. But you can use this road, and it's going to be a little smoother for you. It'll make a difference. Verse 2, Psalm 91, 2. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God and whom I trust. Um, Say unto the Lord. You know, I, I don't want to underestimate the power of our words. How are we born again in Romans 10, 9 and 10? We believe in our heart. We confess with our mouth. That Jesus is Lord. In that believing, that heart faith and that confession faith is a supernatural result, which is what brought about salvation. That's how people get to know Jesus. It's how they get born again, right? I believe that that was not just the key for salvation, but it was a key for kingdom living. That when you believe in the promises of God and you confess them out, there is a supernatural reality that happens. We experience it. All the time, we see God move. This this covenant, it works when you believe it and you speak it. So why I don't believe it. Man? It's okay if you don't believe it, you don't speak it. I promise you, you're, the likelihood of you experiencing it is, is pretty slim. But when you believe it and when you speak it, what you're saying when you believe it in your heart, you're saying, "I I am for this." The Bible says, "Out of the overflow, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." So your speaking isn't like a magic trick, it is an overflow of what fills you, that the promise is true. I say to the Lord, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. You know, when we travel down into Mexico, we travel to these zones that our own government websites say red zone, level five, reconsider travel, do not go here. And then we look at it and say, that's where we're going. You know what that is? You're relating to God based on covenant because in the darkest place is where light belongs. In the alleyways, in the red lights, in the drug addicts, on our noble street, that dark place has to be lit up by something. And it won't be lit up by people who don't relate to God according to covenant. But if you relate to God according to covenant, then you can stand in that place and illuminate it. You can bring change to it, not because of who you are, but because of who you are in Christ, because of who he is inside of you, that he is Christ in you, the very hope of glory. Uh, You know, a lawyer stands and fights when he sees injustice. A lawyer can see injustice happening and he'll go in defense of someone and he will say, this is unjust and he will go to war and he will fight. I like lawyers. Not everyone likes lawyers. I like lawyers because they got some fight in them. And there are, honestly, most believers don't have a lot of fight in them. And we have to change that mentality, Where we have some fight in us. where we say, wait a minute, I'm experiencing something contrary to what God has paid for for me. And what you have to do is take your circumstances to your covenant until you overturn the circumstances. I had a patient this past week um, in the medical field that uh, she'd been trying to get this medical device for months. She had the appropriate diagnosis. She had the appropriate insurance coverage, but the insurance said no. So why did she say no? Well, we have the evidence here. She had this radiographic screen. It shows she has this evidence that she has a sickness. She has this diagnosis that they say specifically covered. But when we up- appeal to the insurance, they said no. So we said, well, let us appeal it. We appealed it. Letter comes back, denied. So why do they deny And They may have some reasons there. So we did it again, denied again. So wait a minute, this is someone who's really sick and needs a certain medical device to get better. This will help them. They have coverage and they have coverage for the specific diagnosis that's required. And so I went to the doctor and I said, look at this. This is ridiculous. This insurance is screwing this patient. Like they're, they're withholding, Something that's due. You know what? At that point, you have a choice. You're either gonna lay down and you're not gonna get your stuff, or you're gonna stand up and you're gonna fight it. And say, you know what? And I called the the patient's daughter. I said, if that was my mom, if that was my family member, I would go make some noise at that insurance company until we overturn this thing. And I tell you, I, I I rallied her up, you know, and she went bam out, you know, a really motivation. And so I'm, I motivated her to go over and fight this thing because it was unjust what was happening. I stirred up the doctor's office and said, look what's happening here. And they went out and fighting this thing. You know what? Everyone started contending, overturn this thing. Overturn this circumstance based on the policy that's in place. And you know what? After four months of fighting this past week, it overturned. Sometimes you may experience a circumstance that is contrary to what's in this book, to what God paid for. But if you will use your policy, if you will use your covenant, you can go and you can overturn your circumstances. Why can you go to dark places and come out safely? Because you've got coverage. You've got the coverage to do it. You can go in there and have the benefit of being covered and come back home. And you say, man, I feel nervous about this or so-and-so got hurt. You say, you know what? That's not me because I have... Coverage. You know what the way to maintain your coverage? You keep it in your mouth. I tell you what, there are, I can't tell you how many days a week we wake up in our house and we speak out Psalm 91. And we declare openly, the Lord is my refuge. He is my hiding place. He is my secret place. We speak it out almost daily. We speak out the armor of God almost daily. Because the enemy doesn't like what we're doing. The enemy is not excited about what we're doing were a problem for him. And that's a good thing. We we're here to, to shake shake it up a little bit, right? So justice happens in the kingdom when Jesus gets what he paid for. It would be unjust for you to not experience the full benefit of everything that Jesus paid for on the cross. Justice is when Jesus Gets what he paid for. You know, uh, as, as a kind of a missions community, we have justice in our heart. The defender of the poor, you know, like we, we have this like rallying thing that's just in us, right? Justice is Jesus getting everything he paid for. and He paid the price for sin. He paid the price for sickness. He paid the price for deliverance. He paid the price for freedom. It is only just that he gets what he paid for. You know, Dwelling in the secret place is a choice. You have to choose to dwell in the secret place. The easiest words uh, I could use for that is to have a love walk with God. A love walk with God means it's an actual relationship. An intimate relationship that I walk with him. And he talks to me. Caleb was out in that country. Probably scared. Nervous about what was going to happen. How are we going to find our way home? And it's a love walk with God that says, God, what do I do? And God speaks back to you. You know, the, this thing about speaking and saying, there's a, this is a battle for the mouth. The devil wants your mouth, he wants your tongue. He wants you to use your tongue for evil. And regardless of your persuasion, you will reflect the world that you're most aware of, be it the enemy. Or be it the Lord. Be it Satan's camp and what he's doing in the earth. Or God's kingdom about what he's doing in the earth. So Psalm 91 verse 3. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper. The trapper means our, our adversary. The Bible says that he's whom he is seeking whom he may devour. You know the enemy has traps. Real traps that he has custom designed for us. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 says don't be ignorant of the devil's schemes. You know what that means? He has customized a temptation for you. One that is particularly for you that worked on mom, that worked on dad, that worked on grandpa, worked on great grandpa. So I know these guys. I know what they like. Here you go. The Bible says, it says don't be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. That he's actually out there trying to trap us. We have a promise for that. It says he, the Lord, deliver us, delivers us from the snare of the trapper. You know what the trapper is? The trap is like the mouse trap. It's got the cheese in it. And the enemy knows what kind of cheese you like. So that if you reach in there. The cheese You might get the cheese. But you kind of lose the fingers. Right? In the mouse's case. He reaches for the cheese and he loses his head. The trapper is an attack from the enemy. It's a customized trap. In Psalm 91. In your covenant. In your coverage is coverage for the trapper. You know, um, in, the, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus ends it with, and Lord, lead us not into temptation. That's something you can pray. Father, I ask you, lead me not into temptation. I thank you, God. You deliver me from the snare of the trapper. Those things that I, I may be weak in, in my flesh, Father, I ask you, To shield my eyes. Job said, I make a covenant with my eyes that I will not look upon a virgin who is guarding against lust in his heart. You know what I'm saying? You can ask God and use this covenant. You know, why are we saying this this is so important? When you know what's written here, faith can be released in your prayer. The will of God, faith is always released where the will of God is known. When you know it's God's will for you to be delivered from the trapper, you can pray, God, deliver me from the trapper, and you can do it in faith. That means we're going to get results. Verse um, verse 4, he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. He will cover you with his pinions. The story I've always heard about what it looks like to be covered with, with the pinions is, uh, has anyone ever had chickens growing up? Want to have chickens? Some chicken people? A couple chicken people? Okay, chickens. We had a we had a pheasant or something like that. We had pheasant chickens at the ranch. Okay, so we're gonna get chickens so at the ranch, right. so it's gonna be awesome. So if anyone knows how to build a chicken coop? we could your But um, there was a story of these chicks that were in the yard and they were out playing with the mother hen, and then all of a sudden there was a hawk. They saw the shadow coming of a hawk flying over. And that hawk is thinking, I got some lunch today. You know, I'm going to get me some chicks. And when the shadow cast over, the mother hen could see that there was an oncoming danger. You know, the mother hen didn't go and gather each chick. She couldn't go because there's all these chicks everywhere. She didn't go and do that. All she did, she held open her wings and started clucking. And when she started clucking, those chicks knew the sound of that cluck. And they ran under her wings. And when she did, she came down. She brought them in and hugged them tight. That's the way it works with the shelter of the most high. It said, God, come rescue me. God, come rescue me. Like the Lord has given you a covenant right here. This is the sound of his clucking where he says, my wings are open. I will cover you with my, with my opinions, with my wings. And I will be a shield. Now will be a bulwark. A shield is, is a defense. A, a bulwark is a defensive wall. It's like a wall of defense. Tell you what, when we go to Juarez, when we go to Reynosa, when we go down up to the Sierra, or we go to the other side of the world, we need a wall of defense around us. The Bible says, I will be a wall of fire around you. Like, we need God as the defense of our life. We need to know what the Word says in regards to our protection, so that we go, and we know the Word in it, we come back. Our zeal sends us out, but his word brings us home. And <laughs> thank God, our zeal goes out because, yes, Lord, I, I've got a word from God. Go. That's all I need right there. That a good missionary, you yep, need an extra word. You just, Matthew 28, go. And you're off. You're like, that's my word. When you know the word, it brings you back home to your families. When you know the word, it helps you continue to do this. Not for a short time, but you can do it with your life. The next two verses, if you'll mark these verses five and six, cover every known evil to man. So we're talking about guarding against terror, the, the attacks of the wicked, the things we could have anxiety about, things we could be fearful about, the things that sell newspapers and sell uh, sell ads on Facebook. The Bible gives us two verses that covers every known evil to man. They fall into four categories. The first one is terror. Verse 5, you will not be afraid of the terror by night. The terror by night refers to all evils that come through man. This is, these are the things that man has the physical ability to do. Ability to do. Point, shoot, kill, murder, kidnap, uh, rape, take, steal, Terror refers to the things that man does by his arm, by his hand. It says, you will not be afraid of the terror by night. This is a powerful message, man. When you go to a a war zone, when you go to a place, one, we need to have it in our heart, but it's also a message to the people. So I know you're scared right now, but you do not have to be afraid of the terror that is by night. God's word makes provision for you. No, that is, that's really, really good news. Notice all those things, a kidnap, rob, murder, rape, harm, they all involve the element of fear. They're all about fear because fear is what keeps you out of the faith necessary to access the promise. So if the enemy can get you in fear, if Goliath can taunt you and cause you to shrink back, he can keep you from taking hold of your promise. Matthew 16, excuse me, Mark 16, 17, 18 when it's talking about the signs that accompany those who believe, it says they will not drink any deadly poison. It will not hurt them. You know, that word drink there, if you do the word study in it, it's not just drink. It's, it's like inhale, anything you can take in, in ingest or even like, like breathe into your body like small little particles.
1: Pastor did to say absorb.
0: Absorb. Yeah, that's a really good word. Things in, in the environment. You know, in the Old Testament, if you touched a leper, you were considered unclean. But in the New Testament, when you touch a leper... The lepers made clean. Like, we're not called to live in this Old Testament mentality. Those, there's an old time, but we're in a different era. We're in a different dispensation that you can go and lay hands on the sick. Mother Teresa used to take take balm and she would rub the sores by hand of the lepers. And people were like, are you crazy rubbing the sores of the lepers? They said, why do you do that? She said, I just I do it for Jesus because no one, because no one else would touch those people. And so she would, she would show love that way. It says, these signs will follow them. You're not going to ingest it. You're not going to inhale it. You're not going to take it into your body. You may go into someone else's body, but I live under a covenant. You know, there's this, I think that a lot of times that you can, there's the, the criticism here is denying reality. But how many of you know gravity is an actual reality, but planes defy that, that reality every day? Gravity is very real. We can take the phone, pick it up, and drop it. And the law of gravity is going to pull it down to the ground. But there is a way that man has created for a plane to defy that very law. In the same way, I'm not saying to deny the realities of things out there. I am saying that you can defy it. I'm saying that you can fly above it. And if you don't fly above it, then you can experience the reality. And those realities remain. But you can defy it. You can overcome it. The way you speak is your fear and faith wronger. The second category here, the first one was terror. The second category in verse 5 is, or the arrows that fly by day. Arrows are assignments from the enemy. They're specific to wound and bring damage. They're, They're precisely targeted to weak areas of your life. Often it's when the enemy can't send a temptation, he'll send a person. And that person will come like an arrow to pierce your armor because they have oh, they because they know you, they can penetrate you with wounds. Those are wounds. The Bible says that you do not have to be afraid of the arrow that flies by day. So for me, God, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord. I will not experience the arrows of the enemy. I will not have my armor pierced by harsh words, by offense, by unforgiveness, by those things. Um, uh, Listen to this in, in verse 5. It says pestilence again. You know, out of these categories, pestilence is the only one mentioned twice. Verse 6, of the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. You know, pestilence is, um, it's interesting that it mentions it twice. I think God is really telling us that we have to renew our mind about how we think about it. About pestilence, of what we could experience, of of sickness. Deuteronomy 28, verse 67, tells us that sickness is a part of the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13 tells us we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Sickness is not for a covenant believer. Now, we have people, we have a family member fighting for their life right now. That is sick. They're currently fighting that. But you know how they're fighting it? They're fighting it with Galatians 3.13. Father, I thank you. I reject this sickness. This is not my sickness. My mom, you all, heard some, some of you all heard my story about my mom when she was, she had a nervous breakdown, severe nervous breakdown. When I was like in fourth grade, I had to leave my house and stay at my relative's for part time because she was in the hospital. And she, she was going to the hospital and I, I, I think she was dying. She was, it was just really bad. Like her body was not functioning. You know how she, 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 she stayed out there? She had a little Walkman cassette player playing worship music and sermons. She would hit that button it would run through the message. She'd take it out, flip the cassette player over, hit that button again, listen to Jimmy Swagger. And it, it kept her alive. And people, I don't like Jimmy Swagger because of all this stuff. So I don't like his stuff either, but it kept my mom alive, so thank you. you know? <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> you know? And he, she fought it. Where, where is the fight? Do we have any fight in us at all? Like, or do we just get run over every time? Like, At what point do you say, I'm going to use my covenant I'm going to fight? Should you experience something, today you should fight. Today you should adopt this. I'm not going to accept this anymore. You know, when you, If sickness comes knocking at your door, you have a decision at that point. Just like a delivery package from UPS, you have a choice whether you want to sign and accept or reject and say, that does not belong to me. Sickness comes and it presents at the doorstep and it says, hey, this is for you. And you have a choice. Return to sender. This is, I'm sorry, you have got the wrong person. Does that sound crazy? Yeah. It's because it's, it is crazy. It is, it is a completely different world. It makes, it's foolishness to this world, it doesn't make sense to this world. But it's the overcoming life of every Christian. It is the way of, of living in a different place to where you say, I, I reject that. I'm going to walk in hell. I'm going to make this out. Um it uh, confessing over your life. Verse 6b, verse uh, ooh, I better hurry, uh, talks about destruction or the destruction that lays waste by noon. That's all kinds of evil where man has no control. That's like what we would call uh, acts of God, that, which, which are not actually not acts of God. Mark 439, Jesus rebuked a storm. So Jesus wasn't rebuking his father. Right? <laughs> if the storm was an act of God, Jesus was not. The Bible says that they saw the wind. So I think it was, it was quite demonic. It says they saw the wind and he rebuked the storm. And so um, that means if there's a flash flood coming, you have authority. That you know what? In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father, that you're gonna your rebuke this. I'm going to get home through this. If you've ever driven through the mountains of New Mexico, it floods, man. It rains hard up there. I was driving from Alamogordo to Clovis uh, the other day. Uh, I think it was Wednesday, Thursday. And I looked down and there's flash floods every route. You know, you can pray and, re- and rebuke the destruction. It says the Lord guards against the destruction that lays waste at noon. That's what it's talking about. Um, so real quick, recap those four categories of evils, it was terror. That was physical harm. Pestilence, inhale, ingest, anything, sickness coming into your body. Arrows, wounds, attacks from people. Then destruction, the greater attacks, a nuclear bomb, something like that, right? Um, or our acts, or what we would call uh, acts of God. So I don't believe that. Maybe that's too far-fetched. Romans chapter 3, verse 3 says, What then, if some did not believe Their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? Verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. That's the mentality that you have. Over your home. Over your your livelihood. Over everything. A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not approach me. You know what power there is when you say that with your words? Man, I... All I can tell you is by personal experience. We have, we have prayed and we say, God, evil will not approach us. I forbid the enemy from touching my family. My kids will go out and they will come home safely. I will go out and I will return safely. As fathers, as heads of households, as mothers, and even as young, youth, you have an authority over your bedroom. You, know, you have an authority that you can go home and you can sleep, but that's your bedroom. If the whole world around you is chaotic. You have authority over that bedroom. That is your domain. But you are dwelling there. That is where you sleep. And you can have authority there. And you can have peace at night. That's yeah, it's available for you. Um, verse 8. This is what the Lord will do. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. For you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Verse 10. No evil will befall you, nor any plague come near your tent. So, this is a big one. Like, you should hold to this stuff, especially amidst chaos, especially against the dangers of this world, or going up to college, uh, getting in a dorm room, or something like that, where you're away from home. This is where you can pray over your tent. And you say, God, no evil will come near my tent. My home is going to be protected. You exercise your faith over your household, exercise faith over your bedroom, using your authority. Verse 11, he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. There is such a reality to angelic protection. Hebrews 114 tells us that angels are ministering spirits sent out to render service to those who had inherited salvation. Psalm 103 verse 20 says that bless the Lord you his angels who obey the voice of his word. Why do we want to speak the word of God? Because there is an angelic release. When you say, I bless the Lord, I thank you, Lord, I speak, Lord, no evil will befall me. The Bible says the angels obey the voice of his word. So when you speak out his word, no evil will come near my tent, there is an angelic assignment released to heaven that says, hey, no evil is coming near this tent. You know, it's one thing to have have your own security system, and we do that kind of stuff, and we have practical things that we do, but there's nothing like some angels standing on the corner of your property. There's nothing quite like the angels that stand around you and guard you whenever when the enemy wants to approach you, and they just they feel a sudden thing on the inside. Just don't mess with them. There's nothing quite like it. I had a guy. I was sending Erica one time down the alleyway with uh, with another guy, a big guy. And uh, I said, Erica, go down this alleyway, go minister to people." And this guy that was with us, he's like, "Oh, I'll go with her. You know, he felt like, he was like he's going to provide her security, and he like I'll, I'll go with her, and kind of, like keep her safe. And I knew the guy; he was a pretty young believer, but he was a big man. And I remember thinking to myself, "I'm pretty sure she's keeping you safe <laughs> because she knows her covenant with God, and her angels are going to take care of you, and she's going to bring you back." <laughs> I was in I was in Redding or not Redding. I was in a mission trip with Bethel, and uh, we were going, and you know, a bunch of their team is a, very prophetic in nature. And I was I always believed in Psalm 91, and I always spoke it by faith. But I remember one day they were sending me down with a group of group of their team. They did, they were short on leaders, and like Aidan, I think you you can take this group and it they'll, they'll be okay. And she said the leader was looking at me one day. You know, they're very prophetically gifted. And she said, I was looking at you, and I could see just in the spirit, there was this umbrella over you. And I never talked about kind of our history in Psalm 91. So I could see this umbrella over you, and I knew that if you took our team, that they were going to come back okay. And I thought, that is my covenant with God. That is the reality of our covenant God. How many of you would like to see an umbrella over your life. You would like to have that canopy that when people are with you, they feel safe. When people are with you, they know they're coming home. When they people are with you, they know they're going to it's just going to be all right. That is that's is part of our relationship with God, that umbrella of the Holy Spirit coming over us. Verse 13, you will tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent, you'll trample you'll trample down. These are personal promises to overcome verse 17 because he has loved me therefore I will deliver him I will set him securely on high because he has known my name so let's let me just read this again real fast because he has loved me he's talking about us because Erica loves God therefore I will deliver Erica and I will secure, and I will set Erica securely on high because Erica has known her name because Junior has loved me, therefore I'll deliver, Junior. I will set Junior on high, because he has known my name. This is like one of the places in the Bible where I encourage you to go write your name next to that. Put it in there, because it's talking about you. That because you love God, he said, I will deliver you. And I'll set you up on high. I love that, on high. It's like you're out of reach from the enemy. It says, because he's known my name. It's talking about your intimate relationship with God. Every time someone had a, a new revelation of God in the Old Testament, they would say, Jehovah Shira," Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi. They would call him a different name by the revelation they were experiencing. Do you know him as your protector? Do you know him as the defense of your life? I tell you the story in this message. More than out of a book or out of a promise or out of life life happenstance. But I feel like I have to know God in a different way. And I want you to know him that same way. I've experienced him as my defender. I've seen him bring me home when, man, it didn't look like I was coming home that day. I've seen him rescue me out of sticky situations again and again. I was, uh, we were just starting, we were telling the story, I was at Mas- in Mazatlan. On a family vacation and i was out swimming in the ocean and i caught i was swimming and i was riding this bodyboard and the undertow pulled me back it took me out into the into the ocean and i thought oh that's pretty far i thought i would come back some so i started to come back and it pulled me further and i started to panic i thought oh i started to go further it pulled me out further now i'm i'm deep out there and i thought I'm gonna drown. Like I, 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 I'm, I'm exhausted. I've been out here already for like 45 minutes in the water. Like I've been swimming. I'm like, and I looked to Kayla's cousin, and uh, he was there taking pictures. I was like, I'm like waving distress, and Kayla's like, Hi, You know, she's waving at me. I'm like, This means distress. This means I'm Johnny. And Kayla's like, You know, and right. And so Brent, her cousin, he's a He's Taking and he's like taking pictures. I'm like, ah, you know, Kevin. I'm sure it's great Facebook material. So he and then he, I see this look on his face where he's like taking pictures, and he's like, oh. I can <laughs> see like hit him like, yes, I'm Johnny, and uh, and I'm not gonna make it back. And he put his camera down and he jumped in the water. All I can say is like he hit that water and like that he was with me. I mean, he hit that water, and boom, he was right with me. So I, I don't know how to explain that. So I don't believe that. I don't care. I'm alive, so I'm here. So that's what I care about. I'm glad to be here today. I know he hit that water a second, maybe past, and he was right there with me. Fresh legs, fresh. It was like, okay, let's go. And so he grabbed me, and we start to go returning back to shore, and the undertow pulled us both out further. The, Yikes. So we tried again. Pulled us up. So we're really, really far into the ocean now. And we're deep now. He's like this too with me. (laughs) So now we're both like, come with the jet skis. And these lifeguards in Mazatlan, these guys, we're not (laughs) up to par. (laughs) We're not up to par at all. The jet skis. And finally we're like, they're not coming. And I remember it was taking us out at this like angle, and we were so far away from this shore that there was a peninsula out here. I didn't see in the beginning because we hadn't been carried that far, but we were carried so far we were closer to that, to those rocks than we were the original shore we came from. And so we thought and even that, like, it's just like that came out of nowhere. Like I don't know where that peninsula came from. Like it was never there. And then it was there. And so we started swimming toward we said, let's go for that. And so we started swimming, going for that, trying not to be like shark food for the afternoon, right? We start going for that. We get close to it, and the waves pick us up, slam us into the rocks, you know, we're all cut up, and well, we climbed up out of there. And sure enough, little, little guys, lifeguards are coming, jogging on the top with their little little life raft things. Like, thanks, guys. Appreciate (laughs) you. Thanks for y'all, guys. You know, it's just like terrible. And we came out of there. I want to tell you, I've met God in a way that I know Him as my defender, and I know Him as my protector. I know Him as someone who saved my life again and again and again. And because of how I've got to know Him, it's changed my relationship with Him. And so I'm throwing this to you as your covenant. One, it's your covenant for protection, but it's your covenant that you might know him, that you would know him intimately. It says, I will deliver him and set him on high because you have known my name. That is an intimate knowledge of the person of God, for I have come to know him. Real fast, in those passages are seven promises that, for those that love him one, deliver from evil, two, set him securely on high. Three, he will answer us. Verse 15, he will call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Three, I will be, four, I will be with him. Five, I will rescue him. Six, I will honor him. Now this is six, I will satisfy him. And seven was, behold, my salvation. I love that last verse. And with long life, I will satisfy him. let him him see my salvation. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus God, I thank you for the covenant truth of Psalm 91, God, that this is more than just a benefit, this is more than just just a promise, but this is a tool that you've given us that we might know you intimately. God, that we could know you as our defender. Why Why are we bold to go into dark places? Why are we bold to share the gospel with those who've never heard it? because we've known you in a new way, God. I pray for all of us here this morning, God, that if we have not come to know you as our defender, if we have not come to know you as our protector, God, we want to know you that way. We, we want to hold to this promise. God, that when everyone else is in fear, we won't be in fear. When everyone else is in anxiety about the oncoming problems of our time, we won't be in anxiety. When everyone else is 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 concerned of what could potentially happen to us. We thank you, God. We are not a victim. But you've called us to be a victor in this hour through your blood, through your covenant. Father, I pray, God, over every one of us today. Let me just pray this psalm over us and we'll be done. I want to pray this and just confess it out. This is how I do this almost every morning, just like this. Father, I thank you for my natural family, my covenant family, and my church family. I declare we dwell in the shelter of the Most High. We abide in the shadow of the Almighty. We say to you, Lord, you are our refuge and our fortress, our God, in whom we trust. Let's just say that together. You are, you are my refuge, and my, refuge and, my fortress and, my and my fortress, my God, in whom, I trust. God and in whom I, I trust. Father, it is you who deliver us from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. You cover us with your pinions, and under your wings we may seek refuge. Your faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. We will not be afraid of the terror by night, of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, or the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at our side, and ten thousand at our right hand, but it shall not approach us, and we will only look on with our eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. For we have made the Lord our refuge. Even the Most High, our dwelling place, no evil will befall us, nor will any plague come near our tent, for you will give your angels charge concerning us to guard us in all their ways. They will bear us up in their hands that we do not strike our foot against a stone. We will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. We will trample down, and because we have loved you, therefore you will deliver us. You will set us securely on high because we have known your name. We will call upon you and you will answer us. You will be with us in trouble. You will rescue us and honor us. And with long life you'll satisfy us and let us see your salvation. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.